Hello and welcome to the Hooked On podcast. In this series, we explore topics such as parenting, birth, breastfeeding, women's health, spirituality, and homeschooling. The Hooked On podcast is published weekly on Wednesday afternoons and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. This is the first part of a three-parter, so be sure to catch parts two and three in the coming weeks. In this, our very first episode, we are hooked on homeschooling. My name is Fiona Mulcahy and I am your host here at the Hooked On Podcast. I am a home birthing, breastfeeding, homeschooling, nature loving yogi and mom of four children. My guest here today is Heather Rice. Heather is a photographer, artist, published author, clearer, breastfeeding counsellor and homeschooling mother of five children. You're very welcome, Heather. Thanks, Fiona. It's so lovely to be here with you and I'm so looking forward to our chat. So I suppose to start off the big question is why homeschooling and how did it all start for you? Yeah well first of all I'd say home education. I don't school my children. So it started off my first child who's almost 29 didn't like getting up in the mornings and people kept saying are you going to go to preschool? Um, is she going to be sent? And I'm going no I can't see it happening because preschool happens in the morning and she liked breastfeeding in bed in the morning. Um, so, hmm. And by the time she was one and a half, I'd met other home educating families and realised that you don't have to send people to school till they're six years old. They don't have to be registered. So I thought, well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll just home educate for a little bit and we'll see near the time if it suits her. By the time she was four, she was learning everything in a really natural way, loving life. And I couldn't really see the point. So we started home educating. Each year I'd ask each of my children, would you like to go to school? If so, where would you like to go to school? One of them went for two years, um, first and secondary, first year and second year in secondary school. The rest all stayed home. So, so it, just sa- it sounds like it's just a really natural progression from parenting on and you just took it from there. Yeah, they, they, their needs were met. You know, we, we looked at the first one's very artistic and we looked at the local schools. We were involved uh, in the community project that involved art in local schools. And I had the privilege of going around to each of the schools with this um, project and asking, would they take part? And then going around and collecting the artwork and seeing how, you know, the little school that was nearest I thought would be great for her. Everybody drew the same picture. Teacher drawn on the board and I knew my little creative person wasn't going to be happy there so yeah keeping her a bit longer at home was the plan and then long kept going till she was 17. I suppose so you just continued to choose home education every year it was like it was given as a choice and you continued and it just worked um so what would a typical day have looked like when you know when your kids would have been kind of you know in the primary school age you know how did your days look? Yeah okay so with five children um, hard to know when primary school starts and ends because they, they kept going, there's so many of them. There were about three-year gaps, so there's you know, 12 years between the eldest and the youngest. Um, 
so I guess when the when the youngest was newborn, um, the eldest would have probably woken up, um, seen me feeding in bed, feeding uh, a tandem nurse, so the the youngest and the second youngest, um, who would have been almost three, and she maybe would have got up and made pancakes or made something and brought them up to me in bed, and I'd have read stories um, to the middle ones while she was doing that. Um, my my husband, my ex husband, would have worked from home, so sometimes he was there. And he'd partake in things. He might bring a child with him if he was going somewhere. Uh, he was an architect. So if he had to go somewhere, he might bring the seven-year-old or the nine-year-old to hold the other end of a measuring tape. So every day was different. I guess our, our routine would be we'd go slowly unless we had something to go to. If you had a home education meeting and you had to be there for 10, then our day would get up earlier. So it was really based on what's happening today. What do we need to do? We always had lots of animals, birds, um, and a vegetable garden. So there'd be who's going to water. If we're going somewhere, if you want to go to meet somebody, who's going to do what job? So the kids all took on tasks um, and responsibilities for different things. And through that, they'd learn. They all loved cooking, baking. They all loved tending animals, um, gardening. So there was lots to be done. Yeah, so it's kind of just like living living life mm-hmm. and learning through everything that you do in, in life and oftentimes things that school-going kids don't have time for, really, like baking, gardening, pretending animals. Yeah, and you can really learn through all that, can't you? Um, I suppose it's important at this stage to say that I'm also a home-educating mother. I, I did in the intro, but um, my kids are quite a lot younger but it's just so lovely to hear how things go and I'm looking forward to getting into how they you know go on into adulthood but for you know in your opinion what um what are the benefits of home educating your your children well I felt the benefits for me or for them for me personally the benefits you're with them you get the privilege and joy of being with them the whole time and experiencing how they learn and what they see in the world and what they like to do. You really know your children. I think all parents know their children and all parents are the best advocates for their children. But when you're home educating, you're with them the whole time. You know, I was very privileged to be at home and not have to go to work when they were nine months old. I think it's, it's much harder to know exactly what they like and why they're reacting to things if you don't know what's happened in their day. So the the being together um, was a massive advantage for me. For them, it was to be able to set pace of their life, to choose what they wanted to do and to change. You know, some of my kids are more evening than morning people. And so if they wanted to learn, say, astronomy at 11 at night, we'd be out there doing that. I guess if they were in school, I would have had to say no because you have to get up in the morning and we can't do that tonight. You'll have to wait the weekend. So there was much more freedom to learn what they wanted to, when they wanted to. The freedom really is huge, isn't it? I, I feel that myself. Is And you can you can pick and choose depending on their needs, the time of day, the yeah, and, and, and go with it and trust that, really. I suppose in that way they end up trusting themselves more and their choices because they get to decide, have, I suppose, more ownership over their learning and their choices, their life. Yeah, and even things like if they're sick or if the weather's very bad or if, you know, you can change things around. You're not fixed. Um, You've more freedom to do whatever you want. 
I think when they're, I know primary school, you're only in for the morning. But still, by the time they come home, they're tired. Um, my children all did after school classes, um, like many kids who are in school. But they had the morning to get ready for them and to have energy for them. I used to feel so sorry sometimes going into classes and seeing children who were straight from school into something else, now coming along to do their ballet and they had basketball in the evening and they were exhausted and they were miserable and the parents were exhausted and time management was an issue. And I just thought, no, I, I wouldn't like that for my family. Um, didn't suit us. Yeah, yeah. And isn't it great that we have this choice in Ireland to home educate our children, in which they don't have in a lot of countries, I suppose, in that it's important to say that it's protected by the law in our constitution. So that's a huge bonus. And I think a lot of people are moving to Ireland because of it. Um, and do you see any, you know, negatives or any drawbacks to home education? I suppose you did say about, you know, the, having to stay at home. Maybe that's not something that everyone can do. But apart from that, would, is there anything else that I think? think of? I think some people miss um, linking with other parents. I think if you have a car and you've, uh, uh, you know, money for petrol to get to home education events, there's different groups on every second day and you can go places. But if you financially don't have the ability to do that or don't have a car, it can be isolating. Uh, I guess if you have a very small family, maybe it's harder on the children not seeing lots of others. Like we both are lucky to have larger families in Irish terms. And so our children have friends in the house and, and, and enemies in the house at times. They, they learn to interact and they've lots to play with. Um, I guess maybe if, if you just have one child and you're isolated, you can't drive or you don't have the cost for petrol, it could be quite difficult. Um, but other than that, I think it's the non-stop nature for some parents, setting boundaries, looking after yourself. That can be a drawback if you don't know how to fill up your own, own, own tank cup. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. I can I I hear what you're saying there. But I also think today with all the different social media groups, um you can find people local to you um if if you go in search of it and you can start group, you know, you can say, "Hey, we're going to meet up in the playground on Monday at at, at 10 o'clock, chances are there aren't going to be too many kids there, so you'll get a chance, you know, I mean outside of the homeschooling group, so you get a chance to kind of really chat. I personally have found way more community spirit in the homeschooling community than uh, in school. And because I my eldest was in school for a few years. And so I really felt that was lacking in the schools. And that was even pre-COVID. You know, now there's way less interaction. So, yeah, I mean, I do, I do think it could be a drawback. But I, I think it is easier to find people now you know than it would have been even 20 years ago you know yeah well you know when I started home educating the world wide web wasn't around you didn't have mobile telephones to connect with people to say you're running late uh, you know libraries were the way we found information um and the where there was one other family educating in leash uh, my children's friends who were home educating were you know from Donegal and Carlo and Wexford not the easiest to see on a daily basis when they're six. Um, mm. Things have changed a lot. There's a lot more people doing it, so it's a, it's a wonderful time for it. 
really is it it it's actually incredible we've just come from a home ed meetup there um this morning and just it it is it is very different um feel you know and the, even for the parents I feel that's kind of a way of filling up your cup by meeting other parents chatting and just shooting the breeze a bit and also you just gain little insights from people especially if they've been doing it for a bit longer than you or if their kids are a little bit older so it's a great way to to bring all that together to to for the kids to socialize and for the parents and everyone feels comes home tired and happy <laughs> yeah no, there's nothing as good as, um, you know, I think the getting together and being together, no matter what, be it breastfeeding or home educating or whatever, the connecting, the sharing, um, the reassurance of meeting others on the same path and the support, even if they don't have answers or they don't really understand what you're going through, they know why you're doing it or at least they have a feeling and that's that bond, it's that support community which mm. as you say can be lacking um and interesting you didn't find it in the school system and i, I hear that quite a lot from people um and definitely the the two years one of my children went in we didn't really see it so yeah i think finding your tribe yeah definitely it's about that really yeah finding your tribe um and you did you follow any particular curriculum or I know a lot of people when they start out might, you know, look for something to kind of to guide them on their journey, you know, even just this for the first few years. I suppose it depends on the child or children. But did, how did you, um, let's say, how did your kids learn, you know, the three R's? <laughs> I suppose it happened naturally, but, you know. Yeah, it's funny. I think if you start home educating, having taken a child out of school, you're more likely to follow a curriculum. If you start home educating, like, you know, I, I think we really chose around one and a half. As a, I think Nadia would have been just over one when we went to the first Savalia, um, which was before the Home Education Network was founded. There were camps. Um, and every, all these families came together, dogs, children, tents. It was, it was like the most amazing, colourful experience. Someone would find a, a piece of land and find a tap. And that was basically it. Everyone would just hunker down for a long weekend and, and get together. So I guess she was one when we did that. And so at that stage, you're looking at learning to walk, learning, learning to do very basic skills. Um, and then it just evolved. So she started noticing these, these funny letters everywhere. What's that? And so she learned how her own, her own letters for her name and letters for mummy's name and letters for her friend's name. And so she could write things, um, so, you know, that was the interest in writing, reading. All my children have been read to since they were newborn. Um, the first one, because I thought it was a good idea. And the ones after that, because I was reading to the other ones. So it's been a constant reading, reading, reading. And I notice now, as well, four of them are adults, they all love audiobooks. And they listen to Audible when they're doing things the whole time, I reckon. Having years of mummy reading to them had an effect long-term on, on the way they, they listen to things. Um, Arithmetic would have been natural, so learning to bake, counting cups, dividing pizzas, um, measuring measuring things to build. So it all it all came very naturally. I would every so often sit them down and decide, okay, we're going to do something, so you understand the principle of be it division or whatever. Uh, I, I believe one of my kids said recently, "Do you remember we used to use Smarties? We 
We used to have smarties for dividing. Um, can we do that again? I'm going, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever you are, 19 or 16 or something, no. We're not getting smarties out again. But it really helped me learn. <laughs> I can imagine my four-year-old would be totally up for that. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, I do remember um, when my, my now eight-year-old, when he was about five, I was like thinking, okay, maybe he's just going to explain the numbers to me. I got grapes and I had... You know, I yeah, I put them out on the table and I did one and like I I wrote the number and then the no, the amount of grapes in that pile or whatever and we went around and we had a great time with it and it that's all it took really he he got it then you know and then with counting as well we'd usually either the trampoline is a good one and sometimes I do it in Irish as well that you know count the jumps or throwing the ball to each other and you'd get up to two hundred three hundred and they'd be so excited to get that far not realizing that we're actually learning about numbers and especially the higher numbers you know so yeah there it's it's really great that to just to just know that you don't have to follow a, a curriculum and um, there's no kind of rules to, to you have to in Ireland anyway and um and that everything can actually be learned and if there's something that you feel okay I'm um, they're lacking this or that then you can find a way to teach it um, or for them to understand it really. Yeah, and that, I'd have found that a few times. Like I remember one of my children, she got a letter from um, one of my friend's children. Uh, it was a thank you card after Christmas or a party or something. They're very polite just to write letters back in the day. <laughs> don't know if they still do. Do your kids write letters? We, some, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, but I'm encouraging yeah. it because yeah. it is a great way to yeah. to communicate. Yeah. You know? she, she looks and she says, how come Jake's handwriting's so good? I said, well, he's... His granny writes books and his mummy likes writing and, you know, he's, he's in school and he's writing. She went, I want to improve my writing. So we went to the local bookshop and we got one of those little copper plate books. And she sat down and she worked and worked and her handwriting's beautiful. Um, but that was her choice. I want to work on my writing. Uh, another one once said, I want to do a maths book. I said, OK. So we went into what, what was the local bookshop at the time. And she chose a maths book. Now, she was five, and she chose a maths book that was aimed probably for eight-year-olds. And I said, do you think? She said, no, no, I like this book. I like the look of it. We looked through three pages. No, that's good. So we brought it home, and I don't think she was able to read the questions, but I'd read them to her. She did the entire maths book in about a week, ten days, um, and didn't look at another maths book for years. But, you know, she knew she could do all those things. She knew how maths worked that was that was that box ticked for a while for her um so I'd, I'd say watch them and see what they want and if you notice they're not doing something and you think it would be an advantage to them some children don't always like practicing their writing but they get older and they they need to have their writing legible so occasionally encouraging like we're gonna we're gonna work on this a little bit and make it fun so okay we're, go we're gonna write songs you know, mm. let's write out your own song and in your handwriting. Uh, and that encourages them to write it. So it's just finding little ways. Yeah, being creative yourself and finding them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fantastic. That might uh, finish up the first part of our chat. But we will come back um, for part two next week. So please don't forget to tune in and um, we'll continue our chat with Heather. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you. Thank you.